what I believe was the title of two separate essays by the philosopher Bertrand Russell and the novelist E.M. Forster in the early 20th century. These two humanist activists set out their approach to life, their fundamental worldview, in a way that was accessible to all. I'm Andrew Copson, Chief Exec of Humanists UK, and in this podcast I'm talking to humanists today about what they believe, to understand more about the values, convictions and opinions they live by. Jose Gonzalez is an Argentinian-Swedish indie folk singer-songwriter and guitarist. Jose released his debut album Veneer in 2003. Its cover of Heartbeats became well-known for its appearance on the now-famous Bouncing Ball advert in San Francisco. His songs have appeared on very many television programmes, including House, Scrubs and One Tree Hill, and also the Hollywood film The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Jose is a member also of the band Junip, and most importantly, he is a humanist and friend of Humanist UK. Jose, of course, a lot of people's beliefs, most people's beliefs, perhaps, are influenced by their upbringing in their early life. And you have um, quite a colourful story in your early life, at least your parents' life when you were young was very colourful. Let's start there. Tell me a bit about that. Sure. Yeah, I was, um, so I was born in Sweden, but both parents uh, are from Argentina. So they fled the country back in 76 with my sister. And uh, yeah, they were both students. Uh, Father was studying psychology, my mother biochemistry. When they fled the country through Brazil, they ended up in Sweden, that's where I was born. And uh, it was basically a pretty secular upbringing, uh, I would say totally secular, <laughs> um, being Sweden and then being my parents who they were. They fled for political reasons, they were... Yeah, exactly. Refugees, so, much? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So leftist... Uh, but yeah, so on, on my father's side, uh, my grandpa was actually a Catholic uh, priest and teacher. Um, but my father never really made a deal out of his uh, sort of ideas about God. And he still is like, uh, he, he's, he, I would call him an apologist. <laughs> Someone who, uh, who um, whenever I talk about uh, humanism or atheism, he, he likes to put forward, uh, you know, the more, uh, what do you say? Try to make me think about how it. How he's a contrarian. Oh, a contrarian. He's yeah, a contrarian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you are. There you go. That, yeah. That's that's a nice position to be in. Always able to take the opposite. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's good uh, for to keep you sane and to to. Is that the sort know. of family you grew up in? Conversational, argumentative, thoughtful. Uh, uh, yeah, I would say so. Academic wannabes and uh, <laughs> always interested in in um, discussing stuff. So just going back to, to humanism, I, I never made a deal about, I um, didn't know that much about humanism. I didn't think about in, think about um, God or religion that much, um, living in Sweden. And um, so I guess it wasn't until um, by the time when I was uh, studying biochemistry, uh, molecular biology, that I, um, uh, and it was around year 2000 when um, uh, Bush was getting elected, <laughs> and um, and uh, friends of mine were studying stem cells, and they were all of a sudden um, hearing about the the, the how in the states uh, they wouldn't allow stem cell research, and I, I was like trying to figure out why, and and all these yeah, it was shocking and, and weird, 
uh, to be honest. Uh, did that all... shock you? That was shocking. So maybe not so much shocking, but but just weird. Like, how do they think? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> strange, strange and, sort of thing. Yeah, so so I guess that was one one of my first uh, sort of uh, encounters of uh, strange thinking. Um, otherwise, I would just thought about uh, religions as uh, something that yeah, to each its own and and. Uh, if you believe in ghosts and goblins, it's all right, as long as it doesn't affect me. And you said, well, that's interesting, isn't it? You said a moment ago, being from Sweden, mm. growing up in Sweden, yeah. you have a certain view. And maybe not everyone listening will know what Sweden is like, you know, what, what, you, what you mean by that. So sure, sure. tell us a little bit about, you know, the, the Swedish attitude, the Swedish culture to these things and how, how you think that influenced yeah. you. Yeah, so, so um, what's it called, a World Value Survey. Uh, they have this map where they put out different countries. Uh, on, um, and, and Sweden is basically an outlier. So basi- uh, it's very secular, uh, along with the other Nordic countries and, and Holland. So Sweden, I guess, is an, an outlier in terms of religion and traditions. Um, it's very modern in, in many ways. I, I grew up in Gothenburg. I mean, the few friends that actually were religious, I didn't notice they were that religious. So religion was going to church at the end of school to just sing a couple of psalms and then head head out to play. <laughs> right, and there was no values difference really between those people. It, whenever I've been to Sweden to, to for humanist conferences or other conferences and met people from the Swedish church, I've often thought they're just, you know, humanists in dog collars. <laughs> Sometimes the values are so similar. Yeah, that's uh, that's how I have been noticing it for, for many years. Um, and then, of course, with, with the years I also see that, that there, there are these uh, similar groups that you find in the States or, or in um, other parts of the world that are more uh, strict and maybe uh, more old school traditional, not in terms of um, sexuality and other topics. But yeah, so, so I would uh, say that it wasn't a big issue until my second album, actually, uh, back in 2005, that, that I wanted to write about something else than me. Looking for topics, I, I sort of uh, felt like the the ideas of religion were were interesting to to tackle. So uh, so I decided I, I was reading Steven Pinker with uh, the blank slate, and I was following the the Four Horsemen. Right, <laughs> uh, all that but, early twenty first century stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, but but felt like uh, there's uh, I wanted to do music with lyrics that that had a touch of of that in them, but but in a very soft way, which is my style. What do you think the link is between ideas and 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 music for you? It's interesting you say in a, in in a soft way. Do you mean that it was a? Uh, no one likes to be the artist who makes the 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 stuff that's just the message. I guess <laughs> you actually also want to be. Yeah, I think there's room room for everything, and I, I my background is in punk and hardcore, and and I sort of like that style when I was younger and but but what works best for me is is being soft and it's uh, both both the sound but then also the m- sort of packaging of, of words and so I like using metaphors I like uh, using uh, sentences that can be uh, thought of in, in two or more ways so uh, so for me it's about making uh, music that that's comfortable uh, sound wise and, and lyric wise but then I also wanted to to have a a little edge, <laughs> a bit of like a punk, uh, uh, and and I think um, so. I think ideas are, are very interesting, and it's fun to play around with ideas. So uh, so I made a song called Abram, where I uh, w- was saying, um, Abram, either wake up or go to bed. You're sleepwalking with a delirious head. <laughs> 
you were a program a long, long, long time ago. Your stories are old, old, and your acclamation is slow. <laughs> That's quite hard hitting, actually. Yeah, but but if you listen to the to the song, it's it sounds soft and it's packaged in a way that uh, yeah. I'm I decided to to use uh, the word Abraham just to bunch the Abrahamic religions together. So no one, because usually I guess no one really um, feels. Uh, it's nothing yeah. personal. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, why is it important to you then to 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 be soft in that way and to and to 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 have uh, to depersonalize those things? The type of music that I do is soft, so I I, I wouldn't want to do something harsh uh, in the middle of an album. So so it just fit better in terms of style and and. It sounds like there's an intellectual reason as well. Yeah. No. So so I I I think. Uh, just in the same way that uh, what's his name, Ai Weiwei, the Chinese uh, artist. There's so if you use art as a to to tickle your intellect, <laughs> and it can be something that you 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 can do art that that you find out straight away what what the artist was thinking about, or you can find out later. And uh, I think it's fun playing around with Trojan horses, <laughs> as I've. So I've mentioned this in, in many interviews. So by now, my my fans know that I I like to. <laughs> it's not very Trojan horse anymore. If no, exactly. And and, uh, and I try to be gentle also. But but uh, there is a as you were asking, there is an intellectual um, ambition here, and it's about uh, trying out ideas and and exposing people who wouldn't be exposed uh, to to sentences to to words uh, in a different way that they're used to and uh, and uh, maybe in a state of mind that's more um, in tune with the music and not so much with the words so so that's my experiment <laughs> well it's interesting so do you, you it sounds like you're quite committed to the idea that um, music can can make an argument can can convey meaning in that in that intellect, intellectual way yeah i think art in general can can do that uh, but but it's a matter of uh, what when where <laughs> why who <laughs> it's like uh, it can also misfire dramatically uh, so so it's not i wouldn't say it's a it's a good tool for that it's just an interesting tool that, that can can change minds uh, in in that particular way that it if you're conv- uh, conveying emotions or or causing people to feel something and and while they're feeling something, they they think about certain topic. Then you're having switches that are different from just arg- arguing with people and having and trying to figure out the best argument. <laughs> Did you grow up in an artistic family? No. So, um, well, well, my my father used to sing when he was younger, um, uh, but no, it's it was mostly an an academic uh, family. Uh, so pedagogy on on my father's side, and and my mom was uh, working with viruses, and um, and my sister was uh, studied anthropology, my brother philosophy and mathematics, uh, but we all sort of fell out in different moments in our time, except for my dad. <laughs> so you you went into science, didn't you? I mean, you were in you were studying, I think, for um, a doc your doctoral level. Yeah, exactly. Research in biochemistry. So I, I took took my masters and then uh, halfway through my uh, doctor's uh, studies i uh, phd studies uh, i i pursued my musical career so so yeah i had the time to learn 
pipettes and and uh, <laughs> <laughs> all the practical stuff in the lab. But but yeah, and back in 2003, I got the opportunity to release my first album. That's when everything changed in my life. And since then, it's only been music. Why did you go into science originally? Uh, I thought it was fascinating with uh, especially chemistry and biology and that intersection where uh, molecules suddenly, you know, in, in huge numbers uh, become something complex like us. So that I found that uh, interesting and so back in 97, I, uh, that's when I chose to, to go to university and uh, went into molecular biology. And within molecular bi biology, I, I really enjoyed the structural biochemistry and bioinformatics, uh, just figuring out how uh, proteins and DNA uh, molecules uh, fold into three-dimensional structures and have different effects and how these very small details can actually have huge effects on, on, on our level of things. You make all that sound quite like quite an artistic endeavor as well. The <laughs> yeah, beauty of the molecules, the interest in their <laughs> complexity as they emerge. You were always obviously secretly an artist, <laughs> even when you were pursuing science. Yeah, I mean, artist and, and um, I mean, uh, there's something wondrous about it and... Um, and yeah, I was I was drawn to the the colorful pictures that were coming out <laughs> during that moment. Uh, there was a, actually a Swedish uh, book of, of three dimensional protein structures that was beautifully done, like painted. What do you say? Drawn by hand, and and that really impressed me. So so I guess colors was a <laughs> a big part of my. But you came interest. out of science, and you uh, or you brought science into your life in a different way perhaps, because I think that um, some of your uh, lyrics later on, um, uh, I suppose, would it have been your second, uh, was your second album album the one that was uh, very influenced by um, the natural world? Yeah, and yeah, In Our Nature, that was my second album in 2005. And I, I think I mentioned back then that I was in inspired by Dawkins and uh, Peter, Peter Singer. Um, yes, Peter Singer was the interesting thing. I mean, we'll come back to Richard Dawkins possibly, yeah. but um, yeah. Peter Singer, that was quite an interesting idea because, of course, he's um, he's probably one of the, I, I think, probably when the historical, when the history is written, you know, Peter Singer will turn out to be one of the most influential humanist thinkers just because of the broadening of our moral mm. concerns that he's um, been mm. responsible for. And I think I think he had a, a big impact on the way that you think. Yeah, he did, and uh, and it's been in different um, parts of my life. So the first time was uh, when I was actually playing bass and screaming in a hardcore band, and all my friends were straight edge, and so was I, I guess, for a while. And and um, part of that movement was also thinking about animal rights and animal suffering, and and um, so I went to the library and and uh, borrowed his book on uh, animal liberation and. Um, and since then, I've sort of been following his work, his, uh, reading many of his books, and now, now, just recently, I've, I've, or last couple of years, I've been following the effective altruism movement that he helped to kickstart, and um, so yeah, I've been really inspired by by him, and I, I remember actually, uh, I was trying to figure out when when I got more uh, interested in humanism, and and I think it was through. The Science Network, where uh, A.C. Grayling was there, Peter Singer, Sam Harris, uh, 
Patricia Churchland, and I, I was, uh, it was, I think the, that was, I think before TED Talks, before I've, I found TED Talks, and I, I could just sit a whole weekend and watch uh, these uh, <laughs> debates or, or interviews. So it's it's interesting then that obviously the, um, the ethical side um, mm. of Peter Singer is often is often seen as a very sort of um, utilitarian or um, uh, rationalistic um, mm. approach, mm. Um, which is not always the approach to these things that you associate with artists who, as you say, at the, uh, are trying to put sort of warmth and, and feeling into uh, mm. their work. Do you think there's any, any conflict? I mean, some people have criticised effective altruism for being very cold, you know, very mm-hmm. calculating and, um, and clinical. Does that uh, conflict with the softer side of your approach mm-hmm. that you were talking about a moment ago, or do they come together? I guess they come together, uh, <laughs> at least in me. Yeah, uh, for the moment anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, when I look at the effective altruism and trying to, you know, you you try to use your head to, to help your heart do the best, <laughs> um, I'm not sure how to how to think about it uh, in terms of art because well art, i think we've just put it head and heart together i mean yeah yeah but uh, um, and i just uh, I, I think there's a lack of that in in the artistic world um only because there haven't been that many artists uh, thinking in that way maybe <laughs> what what i see as slightly new in the effective altruism movement is this uh, taking in um economic thinking and uh, singing about economics is uh, is not that uh, sexy. <laughs> <laughs> so so I guess there is a, some sort of conflict there. Uh, uh, arts are sort of what uh, when you look at the top lists, uh, you know, all time top lists of of music uh, and arts, it's usually about uh, emotions and and you know what what we feel. Uh, and um, so, so yeah. So I think there is maybe a conflict or, or a difficulty to try to do art from these type of. Uh, I suppose when you're a lyricist, that's slightly different, isn't it? Because then you know you get to you get to use words, um, and that that does convey these these meanings a bit more clearly. I mean, the art form that's most associated with humanists is the novel, of course. You know, this is the, the mm. great mm. humanist art form that couldn't have mm. existed without humanism, really. The novel is the, mm. is the thing. But in a way, um, lyrics, your lyrics in, in particular, but, but all lyrics are sort of doing the same job, aren't they? They're conveying meaning through words. So although the music is there as well, the words are mm. at your disposal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so the way that I think about uh, lyrics is that, um, or at least my lyrics is that, uh, even if you're not singing about something very clearly, you're still giving hints to your worldview uh, by the choice of words, by the choice of um, uh, intonation. Um, so, um, uh, so, uh, uh, but not not all, not all, not only worldviews, but maybe also political views, and and that's. So for my uh, third solo album, I wrote a song called "Every Age," and I was in, in that case I was thinking of um, uh, John Lennon's "Imagine" and how he was singing "Imagine No Possessions" and and how uh, uh, and I, I was thinking about uh, Jonathan Haidt and and these uh, social uh, scientists that 
that um, talk about um, our moral intuitions and how we fall into different categories. And, and, uh, and, and all of a sudden, I just started hearing Imagine uh, in the ears of a conservative <laughs> and, uh, and uh, maybe other uh, more hardcore anti-communists. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it popped out as, okay, this won't ring through to, to everyone, this uh, beautiful song. So, um, so that's when I wrote Every Age, uh, trying to do uh, another sort of uh, We Are the World type of song, <laughs> but, uh, but that maybe didn't bring with it that much uh, old baggage, but, but maybe brought my own baggage, which, which is a bit more uh, influenced by humanism and, and less by political uh, and how did ideology. you do that? Tell us more, because not everyone who's listening will have heard that. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, so every age, uh, um, uh, I started off with a very sacral um, um, chord progression, so inspired by church music, um, and the lyrics go: Every age has its turn. Every branch of the tree has to learn, learn to grow, find its way make the best of this short-lived uh, stay. So I stumbled a bit there, but <laughs> the, the, I guess one of the ideas that I'm hinting to is that I, the idea of we have this one life, the, the only life we know we have. <laughs> and uh, so many other artists like to convey ideas about reincarnation, but it's not part of my worldview. <laughs> in that song in particular, you talk about... Uh not just you know the the fact that everyone has to um in this situation in this one life learn to grow and so on um but it's all about um what you can build what you can do um it's quite an active uh vision of what people should be about isn't it it's it's quite yeah. dynamic i mean you know imagine just to take compare it with john lennon's mm. imagine to continue that comparison for a moment lots of people might look at imagine and think it sounds like a very passive song you know imagine none of mm. this imagine none mm. of that everyone's just mm. whoa mm. um whereas <laughs> and it's a good question as to whether or not, i mean i know a lot of humanists like imagine but i think it's a big open question as to whether or not it's a very humanist song and the message is very humanist i'm not sure it is actually your song every age is much more dynamic um mm -hmm. it's much more about you know you've got to do something um uh build something write something <laughs> think something is that right i haven't thought about it that way because i i actually feel like uh imagine this feels like a call to oh it does to, for you. to okay. actually imagine so you do like really it. try try to imagine <laughs> but your song is more about do it rather than just think about it <laughs> yeah yeah so that that's i guess the, the humanist part where uh, where i have to say that i do see imagine as a very humanist song but but in 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 my song i um i uh, i felt like it was uh, yeah fun to try to convey this message of that we we are here as uh, primates on this uh, little tiny dot uh, on the carl sagan pale blue dot and uh, yeah we actually need to do stuff ourselves if we want to avoid you know getting hit by a rock from outer space <laughs> we have to try to figure out ways to build tools and if we want to try to um, uh, lead uh, happy fulfilled uh, lives then yeah it might be take some work to for ourselves and for others that might not be as well off and 
yeah, so it is a call to action in, in some ways. Did you come into music with the intention of being argumentative? I mean, you're not, you know, not disputatious, I mean, but like mm-hmm. making an argument. Did you come into music in order to convey a message? Is there a mission? Well, now I'm thinking back to my punk days and then, yes. <laughs> but then I switched uh, back in uh, 2000. Yeah, about 98 was the time when I was writing my first songs uh, that then later got released and and those were more introverted and um, yeah more about the inner struggle and more uh, so so no actually I, I think um, with my solo music I always felt like it was it was going to be more metaphorical and less uh, less about uh, pushing people <laughs> but but yeah that that switched back in 2005 and since then it's been fun to to um, to mix uh, songs that are about uh, inner struggles and, and songs that are about outer struggles. And um, so, so I sort of enjoy watching discussions and about culture wars. And uh, it's uh, kind of heavy, but at the same time a bit amusing. And, and uh, uh, so I'm sort of putting, sticking out my head a bit in, in those. Uh, so you, you're <laughs> participating in the culture wars. That's how you see it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, saying, I'm saying that in a very not combatant type of way, more like... Uh, uh, because I, I I feel like there's uh, I try to use humor as part of my my uh, style, um, but yeah, it's um, it's uh, sort of like Daniel Dennett when he thinks about the supers and uh, <laughs> what's the other ones uh, us. Uh, Yes, that's right. We're, uh, we're something else, aren't we? He's got this. Yeah. Uh, he's. I think he's had lots of ideas over time about what to call us and what to call other people and so on. We're, they're, um, they're, we're bright and they're super. I kind of like that because then, then it's not, um, it's not pushing down on other people. Uh, no, it's not derogatory uh, then. Derogative. That's a word. Uh, so that's that's the style that I like in a way. And um, is that your part of your being Swedish again? Uh, yeah, more Swedish than uh, than Argentinian. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, do you, would you say that liberal politics, humanist worldview, they're just part of your second nature because of where you grew up and because of the society you grew up in? Mm, not sure. But, uh, I mean, I have this idea that, that good good ideas are good because uh, they are good. <laughs> so uh, so I, I would like to think that in a parallel universe, I would still get to some of the same ideas. But but of course I, I you know uh, I've been shaped by my family my my friends my my culture um, but no I, I think uh, once you start looking for answers and uh, if you're okay to change your mind you sort of end up in science and reason and and um, and then um, you don't need to end up in humanism I think uh, you, because humanism is um, uh, if you look in the long-term view, I think it's time contingent. So, so um, there's um, uh, so I, I can think about parallel universes where where people are having amazing worldviews, <laughs> where you don't have the word humanism. <laughs> uh, but but uh, but uh, so now I'm thinking very broadly. Uh, um, I'm I'm thinking um, that. Uh, I think you mentioned this in in other interviews that that humanism actually aspires to incorporate uh, sentient beings, not not only humans. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that's been one of Peter Singer's great contributions to humanist thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
and you, this is important to you. I think you're. Uh, um, I saw somewhere that you were a. Was it a flexible vegetarian? I don't know what that means. Yeah. So you t- tell us something about that. Let's let's talk about but, <laughs> that yeah, because I this mean, is a big issue now everywhere, especially yeah. in the Western world, isn't it? Flexitarian, pescatarian, yeah. flexible vegetarians. What's your particular yeah, approach to I'm, that? I'm a lazy uh, vegan. <laughs> no, no. So, I, so, so I mean, ethically, I, I, I feel it's bad to with with the suffering of sentient beings so uh, i'm i'm really happy to eat oysters and 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 even shrimps i, I don't f- for some reason don't feel bad about them and uh, <laughs> and then when when uh, scientists tried to get together and um, they had the cambridge uh, declaration of um, uh, was it uh, i can't remember the name but but they tried to figure have a consensus yes uh, and uh, this was maybe 13 years ago, but they they didn't bring in fish <laughs> back then, <laughs> so that made me. So I, I I try to I try to do my best, but I try to um, separate what's uh, what's your ambition uh, as a person or as a s- society. And I think the ambition should be crystal clear that we want to avoid unnecessary suffering for sentient beings. But on the personal level, I, yeah, I'm a daughter of three years old, she likes cheese, I buy cheese. Well, you're doing the best you can. That's what it means to be flexible, which you don't okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's all we can do is the, is the best that we can. That's also like time and resource contingent. Um, so, so with the effective altruism, I, 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 I found it very interesting how you can, just by starting thinking those terms, you, you try to figure out how you can use your resources to do good. It's not so much about letting, um, what do you say, perfect be the enemy of, of good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so that's, uh, so I'm, I'm lacing many, many ways, <laughs> but I'm trying to figure out a portfolio of ways to be or ways to work in, in, in these times. Doing what you can, the place of art in making arguments and human consciousness. Uh, thank you, Jose Gonzalez, for telling us what you believe. Thank you. That was Jose Gonzalez telling us about his life and his outlook on the world as a humanist for the What I Believe podcast. What I Believe is a podcast from Humanist UK, and this was the seventh episode of the second season. We'll be releasing new episodes every Thursday. If you'd like to support the podcast or find out more about the humanist approach to life, Humanist UK, or the work that we do, you can find out more at the Humanist UK website, humanists.uk. And if you like what you see, please consider signing up as a supporter or member.